Well, we're in this series called God With Us. I, I've had a lot of fun being blessed, looking up all the way through the Bible, how God says, I am with you, I am with you. Do, don't be afraid, I am with you. And uh, so today we're looking at the life of Joseph, who, uh, Joseph and Mary, who were the parents of baby Jesus. One of the best Bible teachers I had as a child was uh, in... Um, the uh, uh, release time where they would let you out of school on a Friday afternoon to have uh, uh, religious education. And our teacher was named Lottie, and she was an older saint that just overflowed with the joy of the Lord. And she didn't talk about herself a lot, but eventually during that year, we learned her story that she had been married, she never had children, and her husband had been a prosperous businessman, and they lived quite well to do. And then one day she found out he had a closely guarded secret and her life was changed forever. Her husband had been repeatedly unfaithful to her, but she decided that the best thing to do would be to stay, and the right thing to do was to stay married to him, and then he divorced her and gave her nothing. And Lottie was living in a little trailer and hung on to her faith in God, and she didn't want to live alone, but she felt the Bible's guidance was to her, uh, was to wait until he died before she would remarry even though he had abandoned her. It was not, it's not fair, is it? It's not fair. Life is not fair sometimes. And while the details of the story vary, the central theme is common for many of us that our life could be completely changed by the behavior of somebody else. You got a plan for your life and then suddenly somebody does something and it changes your whole plan. A family member is injured in a reckless car accident or the company goes bankrupt or a fellow student cheats on a test and, it, and your grade's influenced or a coach cuts you from the team or a financial advisor gives you bad advice and you, you lose your savings or a terrorist goes on a rampage and innocent people are murdered and untold lives are shattered. And it could seem terribly unfair and does to us to have our lives changed by somebody else's behavior, but it happens all the time. By the way, don't feel sad for me because I feel better than I sound. <laughs> and I just feel very blessed by God. We've, we've already been doing Christmas, as you might have guessed. But um, what Joseph faced in this Christmas story is a story that his life was ordered. He was a righteous man, and uh, he actually was in line. He had the right uh, genealogy, the right genes to be, he was next in line to be the king of Israel. But that had been wrested out of the Jews' hands a long time before he'd even been born. And so there was a Roman in charge. So Joseph was living a quiet life as a carpenter in Nazareth. And then what other people said and did changed almost everything in his life. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 1, starting verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what we've been talking about, remember? God with us. And when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
Now, we've been in this series, God With Us, which is go all the way through the Bible, God with us, God with us. And it's kind of a gift that God gives us really at Christmas time, that he, he gives us himself. And yet it's not really even the first gift, if you look at them in some kind of sequence. What Joseph probably knew in his head, but he wasn't feeling when his life just went to pieces, was that God is for us. But it's the truth. God is for us. He, he's, he's for us. Our God is cheering for us. And Joseph had this clear expectation of how his life was going to be. He had it all planned out. He was following a traditional way to get married and establish a new family. And in those days, conservative families arranged the marriages of their children. It, it was a, a deal between Joseph's parents and Mary's parents. I mean, you, you didn't leave that. Adults considered that to be one of the most important decisions of life. So you just didn't leave that to the feelings of your children. Might still be a good idea. But anyway, we don't do it that way. Joseph and Mary so have been engaged since they were uh, in childhood, probably long before they met each other. And then their uh, official engagement led to betrothal, where either the man or the woman could opt out at some point. But sooner or later, they entered a year-long waiting period where they were already considered husband and wife, even though they didn't live together. And to end the betrothal would require a legal divorce. So they were sort of like married, but not quite, until the wedding ceremony. It was all planned out for Joseph and Mary. Now we know this for sure. Joseph and Mary, Joseph was a righteous man. He wanted to do everything right. He was good. He played by the book and by the rules. And my guess is that he was moral and faithful and hardworking and probably saved up to provide a home for his fiancée, Mary, and there had been no physical union between them because he wanted to do the right thing, and that meant waiting until they were married. So Joseph has his life planned out in advance. They're going to marry. They'll have relations. They'll have children. They'll live off of his income in Nazareth, and um, we know that Joseph was a carpenter based on, or at least a tradesman. The word might be able to be translated different ways, and if you've ever been to Bethlehem, you know there's not a lot of wood. And that's kind of important for carpenters to have wood. And nobody had thought up yet of, hey, let's plant olive trees and then let's have little puts, uh, Christmas arrangements uh, made out of olive wood. That idea came out of Bethlehem later. So there's a verse in Matthew that's also repeated in Mark where Jesus has come back as an adult to Nazareth and he preaches a sermon and it just bombs in Nazareth. And the people are so mad at what he had to say. They said, where did this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Now, in this little snapshot of these people in Nazareth taking offense at Jesus, they say, he's not a brainiac. His family's not top of their class. He's a tradesman like his father, a carpenter or a builder or a stonecutter. He's a manual laborer. And the fact that they mention his mother is supposed to be a put-down. Well, Joseph was a tradesman. He wasn't a scholar, but he was solid and hardworking and dependable, salt of the earth. He had a well-thought-out plan for his life. And they would live in Nazareth. They would live happily ever after. In that time and place, it's a good life. And then one awful day, his world's turned upside down by an unanticipated change, and it wasn't fair. Life throws him a curveball. Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant. We don't know how. Hopefully, she told him. Maybe he learned it from a relative or a friend. Hopefully, he didn't learn it out on the street. 
where everybody was talking about it. Knowing Mary, she probably didn't talk about these things right away. And uh, so uh, Joseph's finding out Mary is pregnant, and he knows he's not the father. But he wonders, well, who is the father, and how did this happen, and why did she do this, and what happened to the trust that we had? And, and in some ways, maybe the questions didn't matter because she's pregnant, and he knows he's not the father. And so he doesn't attack her windows with a golf club or anything like that, but, you know, the, the wedding's clearly off. And all the plans and dreams are over, and none of it's his doing, and he's never been consulted, and he had done nothing wrong. He had no power or control over what was happening. Absolutely everything was being decided by somebody else, but his life is changed in a big sort of way as a consequence. It's not fair. I mean, you know the feeling, right? You know what I'm talking about here. I mean, your boss passes you over for no good reason, or your health coverage, uh, they change the rules or raise the rates, or your children wreck your car and raise your insurance premiums, or you suffer a disease because of somebody else's medical mistake, or your parents age and their medical needs devour your life and uh, put stress on your marriage and on your career. I mean, it's not fair. The list could go on and on. Probably everybody here in the room would have some story how life was not fair to you. How do you deal with it? See, Joseph didn't know that God was in this. God was behind it. It was his plan from the beginning of the world. His head would have told him, God is for me. But the circumstances around him certainly didn't seem to bear that out. And his heart is wounded. And yet, the Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God had a plan of how to get Jesus into this world as a baby, into a family. Joseph was part of that. Ephesians 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in his sight. In Romans 8, it says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God was for Joseph. But even so, God hadn't asked Joseph. In fact, he didn't even tip him off to go, hey, Joseph, guess what? I'm going to take your life for a great big loop that you didn't choose. Be careful or you'll end flat on your back. And Mary didn't tell him in advance, hey, an angel came to my house. Guess what? Said I'm going to be pregnant. And so they'd had some conversation, obviously somewhere, but it didn't go well. And he's trying to figure out what to do. It says, he's a just man. He's unwilling to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. So he had to decide, how do I respond? He, without fully understanding what's going on, it's very typical of life, isn't it? You have to make all important decisions, and you don't have all the facts. So the basis for his response was not his difficult circumstances or his lack of information or the fact that he had been wronged by people who he loved, or so he thought. It was his character. He didn't base his decision on his feelings of rejection or the betrayal. He didn't base them on his emotions. He based them on his character. And I'll take character over circumstances just about every time. I know that there's some people, you know, it doesn't matter how small or how great the infraction, they will never forgive. I mean, I don't get mad. I get, oh, so you've talked to some of them too, huh? And, 
And then there's other people that no matter what offense has been done to them, they forgive because the Bible says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And though even though it's hard to do, people say, I'm going to choose to forgive just to keep my heart right before God. And some people are outraged with God and everybody else as soon as something doesn't go their way in life. And other people, when things don't go their way, look to God and say, I must not be at the end of the story. God, lead me, guide me. I want to follow you. Even when it seems that God has abandoned them. The issue is character. It's the kind of person we are and choose to be. And Joseph, the Bible tells us, was a righteous man. He was the kind of person who did what was right even when he had been wronged. He's the kind of person who trusted God even when God doesn't tell him what's going on. He's the kind of person who treats other people fairly and kindly even when it appears they have betrayed him. Now, you and I have the advantage. We know the whole story. We can say that it all worked out okay for Joseph in the end, that he didn't need to be anxious or upset, that God was doing him a favor, that God was with him and he didn't even know it. That Joseph was privileged to witness the birth of the Son of God and spend more close-up personal time with Jesus than just about anybody else in history. Except he didn't know that at the time. He had no hint of possible outcome for good, and he did what was right because he was a righteous man, not because of any outcome that he could anticipate. He faced what every one of us inevitably faces when we're done in, we're wounded, we're cheated, we have to choose how we're going to respond, what to say, and what to do. And yet, we don't just understand what's going on. We don't have all the facts. We don't know what the future holds or what it's going to look like. And you have to choose, how am I going to respond? How am I going to decide? How am I going to act? How am I going to do something? And I don't know about you. I ran into one just like that this week that had nothing to do with church. It was in my neighborhood. And I got to tell you, I mean, I'm not Catholic, but you can hear my confession. I had some sub-Christian thoughts some sub-Christian thoughts about some neighbors. And this is where our character determines our response. I'll tell you something about the man or woman. You know, you can tell by people how they deal with prosperity, but the real test is almost always how you deal with adversity. Do you still have faith when there's no hope on the horizon? Do you still do what's right, even if all the evidence points like God has treated you unfairly? Are you still faithful to God even if you don't know what he's trying to do in your life? And Joseph did his best thinking for himself and for everybody in the situation. He decided the best thing to do is I'm going to divorce her quietly. I don't want to embarrass her, but the trust is broken. Well, it took an act of God to keep their relationship together. God was with Joseph and with Mary, and they didn't even know it. And so Joseph decides what he's going to do, and then he receives new information. Now, that's not unusual, that often God's people do their best to say, here's the decision I'm going to make, and they make a, a step in a certain direction, and then God intervenes and gives them new information and takes them in a different direction than they would have expected. So Joseph is considering this, and an angel shows up and talks to him in a dream and says, what Mary is, is conceived in her is from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. She has not been unfaithful. To you, she's still a virgin. It was an amazing dream. It was insightful into the miraculous, supernatural ways of Almighty God. It was a direct order from God to Joseph. It was so stunning that he never could have made it up by himself. She hasn't broken his trust. She's just been faithful to God. And the child that she's going to bear 
is going to become the savior of the world. It was a fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, and there's numerous prophecies about the coming Messiah. And so with a lingering hurt in his heart, with a dream in his mind, and with courage in his soul, Joseph does the right thing, even when it was hard to do. It says when he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. Doing the right thing for Joseph meant marrying the pregnant woman whose baby was not his own. Doing the right thing meant foregoing union with her until their baby had been born. Doing what was right meant letting someone else name the child. Doing what was right meant a lifetime different than the way he once planned it to be. Doing what was right meant trusting God even though he didn't fully understand. He did it. Joseph did it. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him on behalf of the Lord. Now, you and I won't ever face exactly what Joseph faced. We won't have Joseph's blessings either because he got to raise Jesus as his own son to see him be born and learn how to roll over and to begin to crawl and then to uh, start walking and to be able to teach him to talk and to tie his shoes and to learn to read and to ride a bike. Well, okay, that one's a little bit ahead of the story, but um, maybe to ride a donkey or you know something and maybe to teach him the finer points of working with wood or with stone. Joseph knew the first part of the story that God is for us and God is with us. But he didn't live long enough to know the great blessing that God gave to you and to me. And that is God is in us. He's in us, the hope of glory. The last mention of Joseph in the Bible, Jesus is about 12 years old and they've gone to Jerusalem. It's in Luke chapter two. And Jesus has his bar mitzvah. He's recognized now he's no longer a child. He's now a man. So he says, well, I'm ready to take on my manly work. And so he goes to the temple. Mom and dad leave and head back to Nazareth, both thinking he's somewhere else in the group. At the end of the day, they can't find him. They race back to Jerusalem. They look for him for three days. They finally find him the last place they look, in the temple. And his mother says, how could you do this to us? Like it's a, you know, one teenager conspiracy. Uh, you know, and uh, he says, well... <laughs> Why didn't you know that I'd be here in my father's house? And, and then it says, Jesus placed himself in subjection to his parents, and he went back to Nazareth with them. And that's the last mention of Joseph. Jesus is 12. Jesus didn't begin his public ministry till about age 30. So somewhere in there, presumably, Joseph died. And um, we don't, he, he didn't know Jesus' uh, story from there forward. He didn't know that Jesus' first sermon in Nazareth bombed, and Jesus moved uh, down to, to Capernaum down by the Sea of Galilee. He didn't know that Jesus uh, gathered disciples around him or did miracles in front of large crowds or taught parables or the other teachings of Jesus. He didn't know that Jesus walked on water. He didn't know that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sin or that Jesus rose from the dead three days later. He didn't know that Jesus gave the Holy Spirit of God as a gift to those who love him. Joseph didn't know any of that part of the story and that that Holy Spirit lives in the heart of each believer, that God is for you and he's with you and he's invited to himself to live in you if you open the door. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open the door of your heart, I will come in. I'll sit down, we'll share a meal together, we'll have friendship. And Jesus went on to say in John, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'll ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him because he dwells with you and he will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Paul explained it in Colossians. To the saints God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Here's the riddle 
that they couldn't solve. It was a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it says in Galatians 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Daddy, Father, so you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you are an heir through God. And then it says in Romans 8, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give you life, will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. God is for us. God is with us. And God is in us. And if you've never invited him into your heart to be your Savior, then today is, the, is a great day to simply quietly in prayer to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. In fact, when we sing our last song, I'll stand here if you want to come down and meet with me and have pray with one of our, our counselors to say, how do I get right with God? How do I have him come into my heart and into my life? We are so blessed to have Jesus. Came as a baby, but he didn't stay there. He grew up and he became the Savior of the world. And he offers himself as a gift to you. And you too have a Christmas choice to make. Are you like Joseph, a person of courageous faith and righteous character? Then choose to do what's right, even if you've been deeply hurt. Choose to do what's right for the sake of Christ. He's offering himself to you this Christmas as a gift. Give him your heart, shall we pray. God, I thank you for Jesus. That you would come into this world, that you worked out all the details that you gave people the information they needed, but not necessarily more than that, and that you helped them along the way. You still would do the same for us. So as we come to you in faith, maybe there's somebody here for the first time would say, I need Jesus. I need the Savior. I need my heart to be forgiven and to be transformed and to be a place for God to live. And you'd say, Lord Jesus, come alive in me. So we thank you for this day, for your word, for the privilege that we have of being called by your name. I pray that you will bless us each one and this Christmas time will be the very best because we give our hearts to Jesus and you come alive in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.